0: Welcome to the Wisconsin Wrestler Podcast with your co-hosts, Teague Fenwick and Steve Lurkwin.
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Wisconsin Wrestler Podcast. I'm your host, Teague Fenwick, coming to you from Holman. Joining me, as always, from Fort Atkinson is my co-host, Steve Lurkwin. Steve, great to be here.
0: Pumped to be here, man. Always pumped for our podcast, but this one, this one's got a little special treat for us tonight, so I'm pretty stoked.
1: I'm excited. It's uh, going to be a good, good informational one. I think we're going to get a lot of, a lot of stories out of this. And I think, I think it's going to be one that people are really going to be able to take away from, I think uh, a community that we don't always necessarily reach is the, is the parent community. And I think that's exactly uh, who we're going to hit tonight. And um will oh, Steve, I guess uh, it's already August, man. I'm, I'm pumped. We're what three months away. We're less than a hundred days <laughs> away from the first wrestling practice. 98 days ish somewhere on there. 98 days. Yeah. You got, a uh, you got 92 team
0: shout outs to worry about here. Starting, I, I, next do, I do. I knew I thought there's only 91, but I almost forgot Jacob Ward. So I, uh, added 92. And you know what? We stuck to our word. There was no off
1: season for us. That's now right. we're, now we're getting right into the heat of things. Without uh, further ado, let's, uh, introduce our guests here. Introducing first, uh, he is, he had recurring guest status now, Steve three-timer three-time champ. So that's, uh, <laughs> So, you know, like we said, like we said before the show, that's definitely a resume builder talking about a uh, Arrowhead assistant coach, Randy Farrell. Randy, glad to have you on again, man. Hey
2: guys, appreciate you having me. It's, it's wonderful to be here and it's uh, especially really special for me to have these, ex- these next two guests in, uh, cause it was, a, it was a great part of, uh, for what I could do to help these guys, uh, mature with their kids and, and to go through it. It's a heck of an experience for me as well. Yeah,
1: with that, Randy, uh, let's introduce our two guests here. So we'll be talking about their wrestling backgrounds in a bit here, but we'll, uh, you might know them better right now as the parents of uh, Keegan O'Toole and Peyton Mako, uh, both wrestling at the University of Missouri right now. I believe they're uh, roommates too, so pretty well connected. And from what I know so far, uh, they've been well connected for a while. So introducing uh, Mr. Brian O'Toole and Ken Mako. Thanks for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us.
3: Yep.
1: Thanks for having us. And, uh, fellas, before we kind of get into the parenting side of things here, of course, we're going to ask you about your wrestling background. That's a, that's a prerequisite for being a guest on this show here. <laughs> Just a little a word from our sponsors, a fun company game room store located in downtown new Lisbon. It has everything you need to spruce up your home. They have pool tables, dart boards, and arcade games. Perfect for a basement or a bar along with all the accessories from dart tips to pool sticks. As for outdoor fun, they have a variety of hot tubs and Traeger grills to keep you warm this winter. Also sold are meat, church, and Traeger rubs, spices, sauces, and pellets. So head over to Uh, They do deliver, and if you let them know that we sent you, you do get a free accessory with your first purchase. So that's FunCompanyGameRoomStore.com. Uh, fun Company Game Room Store is your one-stop shop for it all. So fellas, I don't know if you want to flip a
0: coin or anything. T- here. Hold on. I got to jump. I got to jump in. I told you <laughs> I didn't have, I didn't, I told you I didn't have any trivia and after this, I swear I'm going to shut up. Right. But, uh, as you, you, you introduced Brian, I was thinking, Hey, this is the first time we've had a father son combo on the podcast, but it's not true. We've actually, so Brian and Keegan, right. Who is the other father son combo? Not at two different times that we've already had on the podcast.
1: Oh, we, there was one more. Um, it's not, it's not Gerber. I know that um, yep. <laughs> we didn't have, so we had Casper on Am I get, is this going to make me look bad once it, I It
0: might, I mean, I, I think it was the first high schooler we had on.
1: Oh, Henschel, Caden and Brent. Yep. Okay.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Nice. That's all I got.
1: <laughs> good, good trivia. You somehow managed to get trivia from anything, Steve. I appreciate that. So, fellas, uh, I don't know who wants to go first here, but we'll just take about five minutes or so. uh, Let's uh, hear about your wrestling backgrounds.
4: Well, Brian, you're going to have to talk for about four and a half because I don't have much of a wrestling background, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) More football, baseball type of stuff when I was growing up. I wrestled in seventh and eighth grade, pulled off the West Dallas District Championship. But other than that, um, (laughs) my wrestling background is pretty limited. So take it away, Brian. Oh, I grew up in Wisconsin.
3: Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin Rapids back in their heyday. So I got thrown into that mix. And basically, if you didn't wrestle in rapids, they threw you out of the city. So I wrestled in rapids, I don't know, all my youth and then in middle school. And then I uh I quit. <laughs> it wasn't fun for me, so I quit. Plus helped help that I had Rocky and TD Beagle there beat me up all the time. I don't know if you guys know them. Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> that was kind of it for me. And uh, I didn't even win any West Dallas championship. I, I think the best I ever did is I won, a, you know, just a one tournament. But I was never, uh, I don't want to say it was never that good, but that was a tough, that was a tough place to be a good wrestler. <laughs> so, but that was about it. You know, and I never thought about it after that, really never followed it.
0: Never anything, so. Yeah, because Beagle, uh, Beagle went on to play uh, D1 football, didn't he? Yeah, BYU. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, just so everyone knows, Brian and I are tied for tournament
1: wins. I uh, I won the launch on the Lemonware JV tournament as a sophomore. So, <laughs> yeah, we're knotted up 1-1 there. And now, uh, you know, just, just those stories uh, kind of already intrigues me. I guess uh, we'll start off. Whoever wants to start again here.
4: How did the boys get into wrestling? Go ahead, Ken. Um, I don't really know what to be specific, but I, I it was a flyer that came home in elementary school, I want to say about second grade. Um, my brother had some success at wrestling. He was a two, uh, two-time state qualifier. So I kind of started picking it up and following it really close around his age, like around uh, 95. 93 94 Mm -hmm. um, started following it pretty close and then there was a few years in there where i didn't really follow it at all because i got married and got a job that type of stuff but um right around second grade we saw a flyer a flyer came home um he was doing gymnastics he was doing competitive gymnastics at that time already and uh i didn't really like gymnastics his mom loves gymnastics I wasn't a big fan, so I wanted them to try something else. Um, signed him up for the West Isles uh, Youth Club, and that's kind of how he got his start. He was there for a couple years until he kind of, I mean, it sounds conceited to say he outgrew it, but he kind of outgrew it a little bit. Um, and that's kind of how he got started.
2: Right. That's where Ken
3: and I ran into each other was Else. But the reason I put Keegan in wrestling is because, and I think people have heard this story before is that I was probably going to kill him because he, he was the worst kid on the face of the planet. And I couldn't never, I couldn't tire him out. I couldn't figure out what to do with him. He did. And I know he said this on flow wrestling and all these stories, but he set the kitchen table on fire and the kitchen was on fire. He, magic marker the house that caught him on the roof at age four I mean the stuff he did was just and I had to find something to just wear him out to get him to focus on something and I took him to a I don't remember the club Ken do you remember the club that I took through it was like all-stars or something when he was five
4: yeah I think it was all-stars a spinoff of the West Isles club yeah um, yeah
3: yeah and he he went to that club one day and my wife took him to practice. I said, just get him there and tire him out. And he hated it. He cried. He left. I said, well, we'll try it again next year. And then I somehow said, someone said, come to West Alice. So I took him there the next year and he kind of, you know, he liked it because he told me he liked it because it was okay to throw kids on the ground and push them in the walls and, you know, do stuff like that. And it actually got him tired. So it worked out perfect for my wife and I. It was like the greatest thing. And I never even thought about going to a tournament. I just wanted to take him to practice to tire him out. I never even thought about a tournament. So, I mean, I could go on forever of some of the stuff he did, but I thought, I literally thought he was going to be dead or in prison by the time he was a teenager. The way he was acting it was crazy. <laughs> I'm
2: not making any of this
3: up.
0: Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> but when you guys. West Dallas, you guys obviously formed a heck of a bond because I know the two of you started traveling with your kids together as they started to get it a little, little better. Yeah. Yep. Well, team name there. Yeah. You got it on.
4: I do. I do have it on. Yeah. So yeah, we did develop a really big bond. Um, I remember the first time, the first time I really met Brian was, um, actually I met Keegan first Keegan was just driving me crazy on the (laughs) ride up. I, I, he was too young to wrestle at the youth state tournament and we were up there and um, Keegan was just like Brian said, just hyper, just like constantly moving and hyper. And um, that's the first time I met him. And then later on, I met Brian that day. And then I think we ended up going to Iowa that year as well. And that's kind of where we started talking more. And then Keegan, I think a couple of years passed and, um, the kids, at least Peyton was getting really sick of kind of the youth tournaments around here, seeing the same kids every single week. I mean, he would, he would be in brackets basically with the same three kids week after week after week. And you could just see it wearing on him. He was getting kind of bored. So Brian and I started going, you know, out of state. We went to like, I think it was gopher nationals and a couple of the other those other tournaments. And, um, we just decided to call our when we signed up, we just called them Timo Mako and made shirts back in the day. I think the boys still actually have those shirts. They've kind of outgrown them by now, but so we just made some more just recently.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's where it all happened. And then uh, we just kind of met there. And then like Ken said, we kind of grew that club and I kind of find, you know, I got my crazy parent thing going and I found a different club down in Illinois for him. And uh, he went down there for, I think it was three years. I, I can't really remember. I think it was like three years. And that just got to be too hard on the, my wife and I and him. And then uh, Ben had opened his club at the time. And uh, it was kind of a no-brainer. I mean, you know, then I kind of handed him off to Ben. And, uh, you know, the rest is pretty much history.
1: From there. Can, you, uh, sorry, can you elaborate on the crazy parent thing? Um, I think this is one of the, the points that...
3: I'd like to get across is when they're, and I know Ben preaches this, but at the time I didn't really think about it. And a lot of other places didn't think about it either, but between the ages of six and 12, 11, they don't need to compete that much. They really don't. I mean, it's kind of foolish actually, because exactly what Ken just said, the perfect, he kind of led me into this. It's perfect. Is we can go wrestle 30 matches, 40 matches when they're eight years old. How many of the same kids do they see? time after time after time and I mean you're not getting better you're getting bored you're not and I just think that's one of the main things I found that's just it was just silly it was it was and it really was I mean I'm I'm not going to put myself on a pedestal I think Keegan would probably wrestle 40 matches when he was in youth all the way till I caught him loose and then we said enough's enough but you know, the, the point is, is that, and I just had that happen in Idaho, a parent asked me, she said her eight-year-old wrestles 40 matches. And I said, well, how many of them are with the same kid, you know, against the same kids? And she said, oh yeah. She said, but that's where they get better. And I said, no, that's not where they get better. So it's kind of a good point that Ken brought up there. When you keep, keep doing that, it just, it's more, I think parents do it for the parents. I do, I really do. I mean, let's go to another tournament. Well,
2: no. (laughs) It's an opinion. So talking about that, I mean, how many tournaments were you guys taking these guys to? I mean, they're, what, seven, eight, nine years old, something along those lines. How often were you guys going out and taking, you know, Peyton and and Keegan to tournaments?
4: Together or just like in general separately or whatever? Like, I mean, were you once a weekend, twice a weekend? Were you? I was never the twice a weekend person, but. Uh, Peyton always had gymnastics the next day. So if he had gymnastics on Saturday, we would go to a Sunday tournament and vice versa. Um, He was getting too many matches though. Like Brian said, Peyton was at the age of, I don't know, 10 or 11. He was getting 50 plus matches. If you count freestyle and Greco in there. Um, And he had 32 last year in college. So Mm. for a 10 or 11 year old to be getting that many matches, I, I say now is ridiculous at the time I actually thought he wasn't getting enough. I said, okay, you need more. You need to go and do more because um, you see kids catching up and stuff like that. And so you, you start thinking of ways that you can help your kid. I mean, I was coming up with a lot of different things and one of the best things I ever came up with was to look at the pamphlet that Ben Askren handed me at freestyle state. So, I mean, from that point on, I did exactly what Brian just said. I just kind of stepped, stepped aside. Um, and I trusted them to kind of do the things that, that they were doing. And, you know, when I got to the high school, Randy and I talked before that and we had talked quite a bit in like the seventh, eighth and ninth grade years, but I just trusted him. And I, he would come to me if he needed a point to get across and I would come to him and, and say, okay, this is, going on this week, just so you're aware of this type of stuff, like personal stuff. Peyton is really, I don't know the word to use, but he's really insane when it comes to academics. So if he had like a big test or if he had something coming up academic wise, he would get all stressed out. And I would let Randy know that like, okay, this is the week that you might want to back off a little bit on the pushing him because he's pushed to the limit. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he used it. I don't, I don't really care if he used it. I just it kind of eased my mind to be able to tell him that. And um we had that type of relationship and trust that that's kind of how it works. So yeah, at the early age, I I I know for sure that I pushed him way too hard. And I tell parents the same thing now that Brian just said that no, don't, don't um don't be going 50, 60 matches a year. That is just too many. I mean, and they the same answer what Brian just said, wasn't that where they get better? No, absolutely not. They get better in the practice room. They get better when they develop the love of the sport like Keegan has. And actually I'm still waiting for Peyton to find that love of it, I think. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where they get better.
1: So yeah. I know, Go ahead. sorry. I know Brian kind of talked about, you know, the effect of Keegan being, being in that club down in Illinois. Uh, Ken, when you were sending Peyton to, you know, 50, 60 matches a year, did that have any effect on uh, your headspace or Peyton's headspace, or like even like relationship dynamics? And you don't need to like get specific on there, but were there any like hindsight twenty twenty adverse effects of that?
4: Um, I you could just see it. I mean, I could see it coming home from tournaments. He would win, and it would be no big deal. He would be more happy about saying we're going to stop at Culver's on the way home. Hmm. I mean, you could just see it, and he could just see how unhappy he was sitting up in the stands and just playing his game boy or whatever he was playing for three hours for 30 seconds of wrestling. Um, yeah. You could definitely see the the strain. Um, I was never really like the yelling type of parent, but I definitely was the type of parent that showed it on in my expressions and things like that. Disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. And those are the things that I wish I could take back for myself as I move on. I don't think I outwardly yelled Um, And I definitely didn't hit him like I saw Illinois parents and some other parents in Wisconsin do to their kids. Um, But yeah, it, it definitely, he could tell, he could tell whether or not, and you know, the emphasis then became about winning and not about getting better. Um, And it wasn't until I really started to step aside that I think that he really started to take off.
2: So I'm going to ask you both, both the question, because I already know the answer, but your kids are going to all these matches, doing all these things. Uh, a lot of them are same matches here and there, but at some point did it wane on your kids to the point where wrestling wasn't fun anymore? And if so, what did they both do?
3: Oh, I got that one. <laughs> yeah, that was uh kind of a no brainer. Cause I mean, kids can little kids mentally and physically can only take so much. And I, I remember specifically driving back and forth to Illinois and I can see it. I can see it. I can see it when he goes to tournaments. It wasn't fun. And when I brought him back to Asprin, he almost quit. He was on the verge of quitting. I mean, it was, I think the only thing that saved him from quitting was John Messenbrink and Ben. Um, and I at that point I had realized what I did. Um, and I think we see this a lot. You know, I never noticed I never noticed what was really going on until I, I had to read a book and take a moment to reflect and, and see what was going on. But when you parents that go and watch their kids in practice and they're actually literally watching them and their kids can see them, how many of those kids are always looking back at their parents? How can they learn when they're doing that? They're looking for exactly what Ken just said. They're looking for that reaction from the parents' face. You go to a tournament, they're... They're wrestling. How many times they look at their parents to see what the reaction is. They're not listening to them. They're looking for the reaction on the face. They're looking for that, like what Ken said, either happiness, disappointment, whatever it is. They're looking at how can you get better? How can you enjoy what you're doing? And then the the other thing was, I call it the pre-practice, practice, practice, and post-practice. So you drive your kid to practice. You talk about what practice is going to be like, what you should do, who you should wrestle with. And they go to practice and they see you sitting there staring at them and then on the way home you tell them well you should have did this or why didn't you do that or what so now i call that the pre and the the pre-practice the practice and it's just they can't have fun and they can't learn i and i said to the parents when i was an idol i said imagine waking up for work and as you're getting ready your boss is sitting there talking to you about work and what you need to do and who you need to do it with then you go to work and he's staring at you the whole time And then when you're done on the way home from work, as you want to wind down, you know, he's just sitting there balking at you the whole time. Imagine what that would be like. That kind of hit the parents pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that would be miserable. And that's what was happening. And that happened for me up until he was about, I think, about 10, 10, no, 11. And uh, that's when I realized that I said, this is wrong. This is wrong. And this is not going to work. You know, yeah, he was winning. Big deal. He was winning. Who cares? We know the, the vision is, right, to get to the NCAAs. That's the vision. Not going to get there with that. <laughs> There's, right. no way. There's no way. We'd be lucky to be make it through high school with that. And, I, and Ken and I have seen it, so has Randy. We've seen those kids that have those parents. We've seen what's happened to them.
2: So at that point, both of you, you, you realize, hey, man, something, something's not right here. My kids aren't aren't happy. They're going back and forth. And you take a step, you take a step back and you, you have a little trust in someone else. You kind of give them away a little bit. What would you say brought them back to happy, brought them back to where they needed to be, where they could compete, where they could, you know, do positive things in the sport? Go ahead, Ken.
4: Oh, well, I didn't expect such a good question from you, Randy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: the deep one, buddy.
4: Yeah. Oh. I don't exactly know what brought Peyton back. I know there was a point. So right around seventh grade, sixth grade, he gave up freestyle and Greco. It was getting to be too much. And it was right around like the national season for gymnastics. So he decided he was going to focus on gymnastics during that time. Um, and then right around ninth grade, I remember there was a time um, right after the Bauer Brawl, um, with the West Dallas tournament that they host, um he had won that tournament. He was his freshman year. He had won that tournament. And then he drove straight to waukesha to compete in the state gymnastics meet. Um and he was doing pretty well, but he got to like the floor routine and almost broke his neck, landed on his head. And I remember me and my wife getting in a huge fight. I said, I said to her, I said, he's done. I said he cannot do this. His body cannot do this in one day. And um at the end of that season, he sat down with, uh, I think it was Randy, Ben and his gymnastics coach all separate times. And they had a discussion about what um, what do you wanna do? He didn't, he didn't know the answer. What did he wanna do? He didn't know the answer. He knew he wanted to compete in college in sports. It was either gonna be gymnastics or it was gonna be wrestling. And he just collected information from a bunch of different people. And this is kind of the type of pace person that Peyton is he gathered all of this data and he waited about a month I would say at least and he made his decision and once he made his decision he just kind of ran with it Mm -hmm. so that's a long story to kind of answer your question Randy I think that was the moment that he kind of got some relief and some happiness with coaches from both sides telling them that he they thought he could go d1 in both in either sport Um, and I think that he him Getting some of that off of his plate was a big relief for, for him, and I think that's when I started to see happiness again was right around there.
2: Well, I know we I know exactly when you're talking about, because we sat on the stairs going down from the wrestling room to the locker room there in West Dallas at Nathan Hale High School, and uh, his biggest thing was he didn't want to let either of you down. He didn't want to let you, Ken, down, because if he didn't choose wrestling, he didn't want to let Tammy down if you didn't choose gymnastics and that was the biggest thing I think we talked about at that point. And, and, you know, and after that he talked to Ben and I think one of the big things that Ben said was how many division one gymnastics programs compared to division one wrestling programs are out there. And, and he, you know, like you he said, he's a, he's a data analyst. He puts all that stuff in and he takes it all in, but yeah, I can remember that. I can remember that conversation in almost that day when, when he sat and chatted about his, about his options. Cause he was as a freshman, he was coming, he was coming from high school, he coming from the, the day of school, going into wrestling practice. He'd get in your car, have a turkey sandwich, you'd drive down the street straight to uh gymnastics practice, he'd go to gymnastics, and then he would do his homework after gymnastics, and he'd go to bed, what, eleven o'clock at night and get up and do the same thing every day. He was doing both sports every day. Oh.
4: Yeah, that was that was definitely a hard year for him. Yeah. And that was the only year you had a cut too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's freshman year. That was, yeah, that was a big one. All right, Brian. What got him back into being happy?
3: Uh, seventh grade. I, uh, I could see what was happening and I, I knew what, knew where, you know, I knew I needed, I needed some help with this. So I, I talked to Ben and Ben made it simple for me. And he made it really simple. He gave me a book called Mindset by Carol Dwyer. And I read that book and I'm not kidding. I read that book in one day and I've read four books my whole life. Okay. Let's, I was a fireman. I didn't have to be smart. All I had to do was know how to break stuff. So I read the book in one day and it just, it opened my eyes. And then I made Keegan read it. I said, read this book. He read it in like two or three days. He's a pretty sharp kid. And, uh, I said, all right, so how do you feel about this? He goes, well, it makes good sense. And I said, I said, I'm going to, I'm just telling you this. I said, I'm not doing it to be mean. I said, but I'm out. I said, I'm, I'm out of this. I'm out, I'm out of it. I said, this is, if you really love this, you're going to do it. If you don't, then you can quit. And, uh, I think that was a relief for him too, because that helped our relationship because I wasn't talking about wrestling all the time. I was talking about other stuff. Matter of fact, it was hard for me. I made it a point kind of not to talk about wrestling. I made it a point to kind of, and, and I'd still get caught up in it. I'd still be like, Hey, I'll just, what this do or, but I really worked hard at not talking about wrestling and, and letting him go. And I never went and watched another practice. I mean, I pick him up and I'd be there maybe a little early, but I wouldn't go like watch practice. I like, if you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I remember that it was, he read that book and then he went to uh, he went to Iowa and won nationals like super easy. And uh, you could just see from there, he just, He learned how to solve his problems. He learned that losing is not losing. Losing is an opportunity to learn. And once that started clicking in and he caught on to that, and I know Randy and I know Ken can agree, when Keen loses or he makes a mistake, he figures it out fast on how to fix it. And once he figured that out at such a young age, I mean, that's when it really started to take off. And there's another thing I did, which was probably the this was really, really hard for me as I stopped going to tournaments. I, I, I would go to, I went to Fargo, but I didn't have any contact with him. Except when I yelled at Randy one time, I said, make him eat because <laughs> that wasn't not, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't an, was an, that was the one thing in my house that you weren't going to get away with. You were going to eat healthy and you were going to eat, you know, so I yelled, remember I yelled at Randy, but I wouldn't have contact with him hardly ever. I didn't go to like Super Thirty Two. I wouldn't go to you know Iowa because I wouldn't. I I don't think I went to any of the tournaments where you ever won. Like uh, well, I went to Fargo I won nationals, but like I didn't go to any of the. I didn't go to any of the uh, junior uh, world team trials. You know, I just made it about him, and I you know I wasn't. I never texted him after a match. I'd wait for him to come to me, and that really helped our relationship because. I wasn't bugging him so he would come and talk to me finally and he would talk to me about wrestling and it was really cool but to not go
1: watch your kid pretty tough mhm was that like in season stuff too then or
2: no i'd go to the dual meets because again I, it's a
4: no contact
3: thing i'm sitting in the stands i don't i don't you know i'm not I'm not really a part of anything. I just didn't want to be a part of what his, what he was doing before, what he was doing during there or after. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, and now, now, I mean, it's awesome. I'm reaping the benefits now. I mean, he invites me to go to his camps with him. I mean, how many kids do that with their parents at this age? You know, it's, right. it's, I'm reaping the benefits now, but if I would have kept up the way I was or, you know, or what I see on a regular basis, not a chance. You know, our relationship is awesome now.
2: All right. So here we go. <laughs> You're coming in. Both kids are doing well. You understand you took a step back. Both of you guys, you put a little trust in someone else. You're right. They're coming through. They're being successful. You get them to into the high school. And so this is where I'm going to ask both of you, your peak, kind of awesome experience when you see your kid, you're looking down at your kid, what would you pinpoint as their like biggest high school achievement? Cause then we're going to move on to a couple other questions, but one of the things that it may not be winning, it may not be back and forth, but one of the things that you consider like their best moment that you hold in your heart.
4: Go ahead, Brian.
3: Um. His biggest achievement was learning to solve his own problems. It had nothing to do with the wrestling or, you know, the championships or anything. He could solve his own problems. He didn't need me anymore. He could solve all his own problems. And when he lost, he could bounce back and not be discouraged by it. And that's what has made him the person he is today. I know he won four state, you know, titles and all that crap but that's not what was important is what, what he learned by having some ups and downs and how to work out his mental issues and how to overcome them during that high school season. I mean, he, I, I saw him lose three matches in a row that she said. His mm-hmm. freshman and I, year. I've, and I never saw that. I never saw that. And instead of engaging or instead of anything, I just left, I just kind of just, I left, I left him alone. I let him think about it himself. I didn't say a word. I wasn't going to say a word. I let him figure it out for himself. And he did. So, you know, we we talked about winning all the time. We talked about championships, but to develop that mentality that he's taken into college. Wow. Just wow. What do you got,
4: I think if you I think if you ask Peyton that question, his answer is going to be winning valedictorian. um I'm almost positive that's what he would say. I'm actually going to test it out on him later tonight i think um from a fan standpoint, and Brian kind of mentioned this before that was like one of my happiest moments is when I was able just to sit up in the stands and become a fan instead of becoming like like being a coach fan i guess i don't know what you call it but up until like ninth grade i was pretty much his coach um because a lot of times you know ben and those guys didn't travel i don't think as much back then um and so i was his coach at a lot of these different things and by the time he hit ninth grade he knew way more than i did already like i said we went over my wrestling accolades at the beginning and they're like one sentence long so he knew more than i knew at that point but i started switching more from the coaching mindset to just a fan like i was just preaching the positive and it was randy's job to 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 do the other stuff um and i could just be the fan and, and tell him you know you did great or whatever um but obviously i think his his highlight was his senior year against Dow in the finals. Um, And the thing that makes that special to him is that um, it's pretty much what Brian just said. He lost to him earlier that year. He lost to him earlier that year. And like up until that point, he would come off and take losses pretty hard. Still, even by the time, even by a senior year, he would take them pretty hard. And he came off of that one. He comes out in the hall and I was out there and he said, I'm going to beat him next time. That's all he said. He said, I'm going to beat him next time. And so at that moment, we were hoping that he would get that, uh, that second match. And then when it happened, I was still nervous, but I was at 300 level. So I, he couldn't see my nervousness. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he had walked out that day. We were at the Zelinsky duels at Whitnall high school and we got, we had to beat another team to get to Stoughton and, Oh my heavens. And he got to wrestle down and what an exciting match that one was there. And, and Tyler beat him and he walks out. And I remember this cause we were so, it's so tight in that gym. And the next thing you know, I turn around and he's sitting right here, right here next to me, changed out of his shoes. He went out and talked to you. He changed out of his shoes, came back and just sat down. And he was the happiest I've seen him in a long time. Cause he just, some of that, uh, I don't know, stress or you know expectation was gone, and he goes, "Yeah, we got this." And that was it. And that was it. We moved on from there, but that was pretty cool. But uh, all right. So as you go in, I know we're going to talk about this. We're going to wrap that up in a little end. But uh, the biggest thing that you guys are moving on to, and might not be something that other people cover, is now they've had some success. Now they're coming in, and now people are trying to talk to them, and expectations for you. Or, or advice that you have for parents as your child wants to move on to the next level of, com- of competition? Biggest advice there and some of the experiences that you had as you prepare your kid to go to college. Yeah, that's... Uh, I thought about this ahead of time. Come on, fellas. Let's yeah. Go. You know, uh,
3: there's, there's two things I can think of right off the bat. One is... You have to know what kind of person you are, not what kind of wrestler you are. Well, maybe a little bit what kind of wrestler, but what kind of person you are. And I went through this with Keegan during recruiting is that if and I think Ken will agree with me, if you don't find the right college coach, if you don't find the right program, you're going to sink to the bottom and no one will ever know your name. And then I think to prepare to go into college, which we don't do and we're doing better now we're doing a lot better now. I see it at the state tournament. We're doing better now. And I know Ken will agree with me on this. Is if you don't know how to get off a bottom, you're never gonna win a match in college. I can promise you that. Those guys that are in college are so good on top. And if you don't have any bottom game to get out, you are gonna be, you are gonna be struggling. And uh, but I think. I can't tell you how many kids that I remember from back from eight to nine to 10 years old, that all the way through high school, that they won everything, four times eight champs. They were national champs. They were this, they were that they picked a program that just had the name and you never heard from them again, it just disappeared. So I think it's so important to know who you are and what program you're going to fit into, you know, you don't have to go to Penn State. You don't have to go to Iowa. You don't have to go to those places to to win a national championship. I think Keegan and Peyton belong in Mizzou. I think that's the people they are. They're good people. They really are. They're just good people. They study hard. They live that Tiger style, um, you know. And I think if someone like Keegan would have went to Iowa, it would have been the Clash of Titans. It never would have worked out, or you know, or, or some other place where. But that's what, that's my personal feeling.
4: Yeah. I don't know if I can top that answer. I'm just going to leave it at that. That was a pretty good answer there, Brian.
2: (laughs) Well, I'm I'm right. right. (laughs) Yeah. We've kind of got an up and down with, or not, I should say a back and forth with the two of you. Cause I mean, Peyton was, I don't know if he was heavily recruited to go into college and then all of a sudden things just switched. Whereas Keegan was, I would say, pretty sought after at some point. Uh, the back and forth. So we have even arranged with the two of you here. I mean, you you're, you had your kids grow up; they've had similar paths along the way. Uh, and but you as you as a parent, when you came to that recruiting process, or, or even you know those kind of things where colleges were looking at your kid or talking to your your young athlete, uh, you as a parent, what were some of the ups and downs that you had? that you would like to see, maybe you can give some advice on that and some of the hurdles that you guys faced with that. Because like I said, you know, Peyton may not have been as heavily recruited as Keegan, but obviously they're both in the same place and they're both doing great things.
4: Yeah, that was kind of the great thing about Peyton's whole process was um, it all went pretty fast. He had a really good, when was it all? Like right before... So junior year, after junior year, he started getting a little bit of attention. I think we had went to a camp in at Duke University, um, and he started, they stayed in contact with him, but that was about it until senior year, and then after the, um, I think it was the Sammy Sassel match that he lost at, um, what, what meet was that, the Flow Nationals, he had lost that match. And then he wrestled like four matches on the backside and, and one after that particular meet, he was getting calls every single night for about a month to the point where he pretty much has turned off his phone. Um, but to backtrack a little bit, it was pretty easy for me because of the type of person Peyton is, he pretty much limited it to if it was a good school or not he based a lot of it on whether or not they were going to be a good school academically. And then, you know, as Brian said before, once he met the coaches in Missouri and, and found out what they were about, um, it kind of became a no brainer for him. Um, There was some other Duke obviously, because it's a great school and Purdue is a, a really good engineering school. They stayed in the running for a while for those reasons, but I think he pretty much knew after the visit to Missouri that, that's where he was going to go. So for me, I don't, I'm not really a good person to answer this because it was just so easy for me. He handed, he handled most of it and I just helped him. I helped him with some of the research and I helped him, you know, I answered some questions, but um, I left that process completely up to him. I said, this is going to be your life. And um, you know, there was a, there was a point where he didn't know if he was going to be recruited at all. And, he was just going to go to Madison and and be an engineering major. Um, And that's what he was going to do. So, I mean, he was getting calls from, I believe uh, Parkside, maybe, and a couple D2 schools, but he's like, no, I'm just going to, I'm not going to wrestle. Then if I don't get D1, I'm not going to wrestle. He said, Um, and that's kind of the way it ended up being. Ironically, Madison never called, but
3: yeah, I, I kind of left the whole part up to Keegan and Ben a little bit. I kind of stayed in the mix and I had some opinions, but the one thing I remember is I met a couple college coaches and uh, you know, I don't know if they go to salesman school before they become college coaches, <laughs> but they will sell you everything. But the fact is, is that, it's, it just has to be a fit. It ha- you have to fit that place. You know, they can promise you this and promise you that, but if you don't fit into that school, it doesn't matter. And what happens if it, if you all of a sudden you didn't fit and you're stuck there and now you're not performing and you're not doing well. I mean, my worry is how, how faithful are those coaches going to be then? You know, it's, I'm not saying anything, well, maybe I'm saying something bad about college coaches because they have a job to do, but they are great sales. They are great salespeople. And uh, I think that's very dangerous because I remember the first coach I met with and they showed me what he was going to give Keegan and what he was going to do and this and that, you know, kept going on and on. And I'm like, you know, I'm a pretty sharp guy when it comes to that, because I've met a number of salesmen when it's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. No. I think that's something if you're going to be recruited, you better be careful of and don't follow a name. Don't go after a name. Just because you say you wrestle in Iowa, are you really going to wrestle in Iowa or are you going to ride the wood? I don't know. I mean, you know, great, you're in that Iowa arena or that Penn State arena, but I can name about 10 different kids that were phenomenal wrestlers all through high school and never ever made that Penn State lineup. What happened to them? You know, but there's kids like that I can think of that came out of uh, just out of Wisconsin that, you know, they developed really late they found schools that they fit into and man are they killing it at the NCAAs and I'm pretty sure we all know who they are right now mm-hmm. I mean like at Stephen Buchanan right. on the red fit you know kid he's man he's killing it out there that's right you know and it just was a good fit for him but if he went to went to a different school that didn't fit him I highly doubt he'd be performing like he is
2: So I'm going to ask this, um, Ken, you you said previously that Peyton took a lot of his academics, you know, he really pushed himself to do that. But um, coming question for both of you here, how how much, obviously knowing that you've got to have a certain level to get into, you know, the next level collegiate program and other things, how much was your emphasis on academics, you know, outside of the wrestling world, into the school world? How much was an academics uh, focus put? you know, on your kids in the home and other things with that.
4: I mean, it was everything. It was everything in my home. Um, we talked about academic goals way more than we talked about sports goals, um, sports goals. I don't remember really ever talking about it. Uh, maybe what, yeah, I guess we did probably one-on-one with Peyton. We did talk about it here and there, but it was always the academic stuff. Um, you know, not just, not, not just getting good grades, but not being a knucklehead in school, those types of things. Um, There's so many kids that just, I don't know, they go to school and they act different. And that's, yeah, I wanted to make sure that that wasn't my kids. Um,
3: Yeah. Academics for us was uh, not as important because I knew wherever he would go, he would do well. And I'm kind of this believer that you could go to a tech school and come out and if you have enough drive and you have enough and you're smart enough and you just have enough drive and work ethic, you're going to do well in life. Um, wrestling wise, I just want him to be where he wanted to be. That's all I cared about. That's really, I knew he was going to do well. I didn't know he would do this well this soon, but he would do well. Um, so academics wasn't that that big for me, but I do remember this. I remember when he was eight years old, he, he took a piece of notebook paper and he wrote all his goals out from that age on. And one of those goals on there was to be a four-time NCAA champion at Missouri. Um, and he's reached every one of those. One was a world champ. One was I want to be a four-time high school state champ. One is I want to win super. I mean, he's accomplished all those goals. But the one that always cracked me up is I want to be a four-time NCAA champion in Missouri, and I kind of laughed at that. Well, I'm not laughing right now, but, but he's got an opportunity to do it. But I mean, the point was, is that that's where he was. That's what was on his mind, you know? So, and I was that, I'm like, that's great. You know, it really makes me mad I through that piece of paper away. But um, yeah. So academics wasn't that big. I just believe if you have a great work ethic, which both these boys do, I mean, Peyton was actually a blessing for Keegan because Peyton's academically driven so hard and he's a hard worker that I think those two kind of feed off each other. And I think if I think Keegan's doing really good in school, too, not as good as Peyton. Nobody is as good as Peyton. But, you know, I think it definitely it definitely helps.
2: So if I asked Laura that question about academics, what would what do you think her answer would be? It'd be, yes, she put a big emphasis on academics. She
3: did. She put a bigger emphasis on academics because she is, uh, I don't know. She, I think she got a couple B's in college, but I'm not sure. But yeah, she, I mean, when some of the schools that called that he had opportunities to go to were, you know, Ivy league schools and this and that, and, wow, that's great. And I'm like, well, it might, it might not be, but you know, he didn't want to study that hard. He wanted to wrestle. He's, you know, he he's going to make money when he's done out of school. He's going to be successful, you know, and I think we all realize that now I'm mean, in this house. We realize that now he's just got that workout. Like he's never going to, the kid just hates to fail. I, we just bought brand new bulls and I shoot with him. He has to beat me every night. I mean, he has to beat me no matter what he does. He's got to beat me It's everything. <laughs> You know, so I don't worry about him ever being successful, so.
0: At, uh, Randy, before we go to your next question, at what age did he stop? Was it a family goal to get him to stop burning down the, the kitchen table? Is that uh, a <laughs> When I want to say that this whole... on the podcast.
3: I've, I've, <laughs> I've hit Keegan twice, and I spanked him that time. And I made sure I remembered it because that was scary. Yeah. Yeah, That was bad. But I, and he tells that story. He tells that. And like when people ask him about why he got arrested, he tells that story. He doesn't forget the butt whooping he got for that one.
0: (laughs) So that was the first and last time is what you're saying. Correct. (laughs) So as
2: you guys are looking in and other people are going to listen and hear this and some of the things are going to be, you know, kind of back and forth with that, but your number one thing that you tell parents today, they've got a six year old kid. They're, I'm going to say six-year-old that they're looking to get into wrestling. And you would say what?
4: I don't know. I'm going to skip ahead and I'm going to tell Mr. Sinclair, Mr. Mirasola and um the Millard family to go check out Tiger Style. That's where I want oh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's that's 10 years later, but okay.
4: I don't know if that's a recruiting violation, so we'll see. My no, you're not story.
1: talking to the athletes.
4: Correct. Talking to the parents.
1: If anything, we just get the fallback, so now you're <laughs> good. <laughs> this is the perfect time to do it. Uh, at six years old, well, I wouldn't
3: have them competing hardly ever. Probably never at six years old. I'd take them there, make it fun, let them have fun get them in an environment that, you know, is fun. Um, don't take it too seriously. I mean, they're six years old. Even if I think what happens is, you know, you go to a couple of tournaments and they have success and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we can go win more tournaments. Mm-hmm. No, make them want to love that competition. Make them want to compete. Don't keep pushing upon them. That's what I, I, I think, I think just going to practice them fun and then getting them involved at six years old and other things, they have to find outlets. I mean, Keegan and Peyton found outlets. Um, they have to have outlets to do other things that are positive. And, uh, I think that's really important too. And as they grow up from six to maybe eight, nine, 10, I kind of said this when I was at night Hill, and this is where I think I made parents mad is don't always save them from their mistakes. Let them understand there's consequences and teach them how to solve their problems at a young age. If we do that at a young age, you won't have high school kids that need to have their hand held every time. Mm -hmm. I think starting at a young age and letting them slowly learn how to solve problems is so huge. And I wish I would have known that then. I mean, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to figure it out. But I mean, teaching your kids to solve problems at a young age We'll help him in the wrestling room because they'll learn that losing is not losing it's an opportunity to get better um you know i can tell you some of the stuff that keegan did that you know once that I, I remember he he was supposed to go to super 32 and i'm in canada duck hunting and i get a call keegan forgot to get his plane ticket because i made keegan sign up for all his own tournaments i didn't i didn't do that i didn't do his plane reservations i didn't do anything if he asked we'd help him but he did all that and I, he's like I forgot to get it now it's $750 when it was 300 originally. And I said, well, I guess you're not going to super 32. So we get off the phone. He's mad. And I get a call back. Of course I get a call back in like 10 minutes. And well, What if I pay for that? What if I pay the extra money? And I said, how are you going to do that? He said, I called Ben and he said, I can work for him. I said, all right, how are you going to make 300 bucks? He says, I don't know, but I'll work enough. Ben says, it'll make me work enough and I'll pay you. I made him pay me so I made him realize he could solve his problems but he had to suffer the consequences and he never did that again but I mean there's other things he forgot shoes one time when he went to Iowa and I said well I guess you're not going to wrestle because I'm not buying you shoes so he ended up figuring out his problem he, he had to borrow shoes for every match he had to borrow shoes I I'm not going to if we keep saving our kids at a young age every time they're going to realize by the time they're high school, or think every time they screw up I mean yeah they're going to fix their problems and they're not going to know how to solve their problems and geez, once you get to the NCAAs,
1: well, you better figure out how to solve your problems.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Brian,
1: Brian, going off of that, I think the one thing that's been sticking with me for a while here is, uh, you said that like Keegan's best accomplishment was that he like learned to figure out stuff on his own. And I'm guessing that, you know, as a parent, that kind of had to be a highlight for you as well. And, uh, You know, I know you talked about that mindset book and maybe as the, as the non-parent in the, in the podcast here. So I guess the floor is open for anyone to answer this, but I guess, uh, you know, for them to figure it out at their own, at some point you have to let go a little bit. And, uh, I guess, I guess in the moment, what's, what's scary about that thought of letting them go. And I guess for any of you guys in the here, um, like what what kind of help push you through to letting them go a little bit and make their own mistakes and kind of figure things out on their own.
3: Bye Ken.
4: I don't know that I've ever done it yet though. <laughs> <laughs> um he figures, I mean, he the kid's smarter than me. So I'm like, if I if he can't figure it out, how in the heck am I going to figure it out? I mean, the scary part as a parent is that you don't want to, I guess, see them hurt or mm-hmm. you don't want to see the hurt in them, even if it's not like a physical hurt. Um, so you try to step in to prevent that. Um, as they get older, like Brian said, you you give them information. And if they choose not to listen to that information and then they get hurt, that's on you now. Um, and so I don't know, I I really, for me, it was, it was easy. Peyton just kind of figured things out. Um, and obviously there's still things that he's got to figure out and there's still things that almost every human's got to figure out. So I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how to answer that question.
3: Yeah. That that is a tough question, but once they got the once they get to figure things out, you know, I think the biggest fear is is uh like Ken said, maybe it's hurting themselves or failure. But let's be honest, if an eight-year-old's running down the road and you know they're gonna trip and fall and smack their head, how many times have we all done that? We're okay. I mean, but they're not gonna do that again next time. And that's I kinda that's my point is like, how many times do we let them keep doing the same stupid things and then we keep stopping them from doing it, but they never learn the lesson? I mean. Um, I think the other thing that we're afraid of is we're afraid to see our kids fail. And I think that's the hugest thing or not have the best things or, or fail. And if they don't learn to fail and to recover from that, you're going to end up with a zombie by the time they're 18 and they're going to, they're not going to know what to do. I mean, I, I know kids right now that are like that I have friends who have kids like that right now and they, they, they can't figure anything out. They don't know what to do. And it's like, well, what do you want to do in life I don't know because they've never had that opportunity to have to do that. You know, if we let them fail and give them options, you know, don't tell them what to do, but say, well, what are your, you know, ask them the questions. What are your options? You know, well, I don't know. Well, what do you think they are? At least sooner or later, the cool thing about it was with Keegan. And so when I kind of cut myself out of the whole thing is that he used to come and he does, he does it now. He's home now. He comes in, he'll ask me a question for advice. And I, to me, that's, that's awesome. That is just awesome, you know, and I did something to him. This is a funny story. You guys are going to like this. I was just in uh, Idaho with him and he was bear hunting. And he came back late at night and I saw him put his boots outside under the camper. Well, I knew his boots were sweaty and I knew it was going to get cold and frosty that night. So I knew those boots were going to be freezing cold in the morning when he got up to go back out. I knew they were, I didn't say a word. I left those things out there. He put them on the next day. He was back in two hours. He's like, "God, my feet got cold." So why do you think that happened? And he's like, "Well, I don't know." I said, "Well, maybe you shouldn't leave them on all night." I said, "I saw you set them under the camper, and I said they got full of frost, and plus they're all sweaty and wet." He said, "Why didn't you tell me?" I said, "You're going to do that again?" He said, "Nope." <laughs> so I mean, those are the, those are little, just little things, little things that. Build up into that. You see, you know what he asked me? He goes, Dad, can you buy me a boot dryer? I said, Hell no, you got more money than I do. (laughs) Buy your own
2: boot dryer. That's funny. So going on, we talked about you know smaller mad number, smaller match count, pushing your kids, let them go through the practice room, let them develop uh, skill development and other things. How important, and this is a parent point of view from you guys, how important is having uh, practice partners and people in the room to help and to push your kid?
3: I might have a different spin on this than Ken, so he's going first.
4: <laughs> um, I think it's important. I think it's important to, you know, have somebody that can beat up on them in, in those practices and give them the looks that they you know are going to get in in competitions we're talking higher levels now right not like not like six years old eight years old practice
2: well getting into the high school program that kind of things having having practice partners in your room would. i mean what kind of emphasis would you put on that
4: I See, I to be honest, I've never, I never really put a lot of emphasis on it, but I do think that it's important. I guess I, when I was looking for a club for Peyton, I put it on the coaches. Um, I fell in love with the, with the way uh, Messenbrink and Ben ran things. Um, I knew that there was going to be good practice partners there. I mean, kids like Nathan Smith and Jacob Roshka. Keegan was a little tiny at that point. Still, um, I knew there were going to be really good partners in that room for them and um so i i do think it's important um i think i've had talks with i don't know maybe it was with you randy that you know a group of three where you're better than somebody you're equal to somebody and somebody's better than you in that group of i guess it would be four with your kid um i think that's like the ideal group um because they're getting all different types of looks um as they get older i do think that having partners you know like such as Keegan, who does everything technically correct for Peyton to like roll with him is like really good or having somebody like Peyton, for example, is good for Keegan because he gives them different type of scrambling looks. So, um, as they get older, I think the practice partners become even more and more important. Um, but it's also important, I guess, for your kid to be a good practice partner too. Um, I know some really high level kids that are not really good practice partners, so. I don't know. I was a really long answer, and I don't know if it was very good. That was a good one. No, That, that was, was good. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I know you and I had
2: had conversations about that. Obviously, going to west, coming from West Dallas, Nathan Hale, and I know putting him in the room, and and I had long conversations with Peyton about that as well. Uh, and we were always putting one of the things we would do, obviously drilling with him, was I would put you know some of our we had some lighter assistant coaches, and I would always wait till Peyton got him pretty much you know almost tired. And then we would transition into other things with our practice schedule and our plan. And I'd have coaches wrestling with him at that point, just so he could have, you know, that moment of you know, where he's got to work through something or get, you know, to struggle to get through that. So. Yeah.
4: Real, real quick. I got a story about that. Cause I just came to my mind just two days ago at a grad party, there was um, one of the kids that was in the room at that particular moment that you're talking about, And he said to Peyton, I overheard them talking. He said, Randy would tell us, whatever you do, just get Peyton mad, just make him mad. And the kid's like, yeah, that didn't work out so well. He just like almost put me through the glass window. (laughs) He's like, like, yeah, coach, but what happens when he does get mad? (laughs) We had
2: to recover from that point. That's about letting kids make their own mistakes, but come (laughs) on.
3: a little different experience than that i keegan was always very little and uh there wasn't it was hard to find a practice partner that could really whoop up on unless they were 20 pounds bigger so it was kind of weird um you know and i thought it was more that it was just his work ethic and when he found somebody that wanted to work as hard as him it didn't really matter how good they were they just went as long as they were drilling or whatever, they just didn't lay on the ground or didn't get discouraged. They just kept getting up and doing it. And I kind of thought that was the work ethic was more important about than their skill. And uh you know I was never in the high school room, so I don't really know, but I know there were there were decent guys in there. But
2: you know, there, whoever beat up on Keegan in the high school room, Randy. Uh, you know, that was a tough one. Cause we'd always have to transition on that. And I would have to put, you know, I would constantly rotate different guys in them with him, but not too many people,
0: yeah. not
3: too many. but there were guys in there that worked as hard as him big time. So big that's what was important more than skill level than, you know, finding someone, I mean, now he's in college with Maple and Maple just pounds the crap out of him, but I don't think this year he's going to do that anymore, but you know, That was the thing is that it was just more about the work ethic than I
2: thought the skill level. Um, And having both those conversations with both, you know, with both your sons, uh, the bigger part about that was early on in the year, we would pick and we'd have conversations about talking about which kid we're going to drill with when we do drill to bring their level up so that when we got to the heart of the season, you'd have another kid in your room that goes as hard as you and can drill with you. Maybe he's not as you but he can they can drill as hard as you and they can go at that level yeah so and both 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 your sons were excellent as as far as giving back to bring another kid along because they knew that was a big investment for them as well because they had another person that they could drill with that they could roll they could you know that can stay with them
3: yeah it was nice and we could get everybody together off season where he could Keegan and Peyton and, uh, Parker, all those guys, once they got older or they had developed, then it was, yeah, then it was doggy dog. But I mean, growing up, I just think finding someone that wants to work as hard and have fun, I think is the most important thing. I, I you don't need what, I mean, just because like Ken said it's just because this guy does either the best wrestler in the room does well at tournaments doesn't mean they're a good practice partner. I've seen that a lot. And then I've seen what happens later on in their career, how that all turned out. But yeah, I, I yeah, that's just the way I feel about it.
1: Good stuff, fellas.
0: <laughs> right. I got nothing. Randy, are you, Randy, are you out of questions? Well, I could probably come up with like, you know,
2: a couple more in there, but uh, one of the things for me, obviously, you know, both the parents here, uh, I've had conversations with both of you but together independently, you know, about your kid and coming up through. And both of you have a very similar, you know, story coming through. You, you say, man, I pushed my kid way too hard, too early, too soon. Uh, I would love to take that time back. And I think both of you have an excellent relationship with your son right now because you did take a step back. And you did trust somebody else to maybe you know to push them along or to guide them or put them in the right hand there. Uh, you know, Brian, you said this numerous times about you know going into college, finding that right fit, finding that right fit. You know, having Absolutely. somebody in that room who can understand the struggles you're going going through, but and Ken, you you said this can understand your day to day life and understand how to push you, when to push you, when to pull the reins back, and and you know when to just basically give a kid a hug. Absolutely. Absolutely.
4: And yeah. I think, I think Brian and I figured that out way earlier. We just never really enacted on it. Cause I can recall times when the kids were young and we would be in Minnesota and we would tell each other before we walk into the corner, like, Hey, make sure I don't do anything stupid or make sure you tell keegan this so that i don't have to tell him that and i would do the same thing like okay you tell peyton this so that i can be the one just setting back so we kind of figured it out early we just for me personally it took me another four years before i completely stepped away and just allowed other people to do it but you know we kind of saw that in ourselves i i think i think i don't know what you think brian but no
3: i think you're right you did i mean we did kind of we, – we had a pretty good uh, team thing going there because, yeah, because we would both get too involved in uh, matches and uh, it's like you just got to step back. But, you know, what it all it all turned out good, but the only reason it turned out that way is because we basically just got out of the way. I mean, if we want to get out of the way, neither one of would be where they are doing what they're doing or be as happy as they are. That's the other thing is they're both super happy. Man, those two guys mm-hmm. – I go visit, we go visit those guys. They're living the dream. They are living the dream. Trust, mark my words, they are living just
2: so fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, at what point do you think they'll actually get maybe an NIL deal, deal done with Culver's? Because that's all they talk <laughs> They constantly are like, hey, let's go get some cheese curds. You know, when you, when someone interviews them, they always ask them about the cheese curds, obviously it's the Wisconsin thing. But what's the likelihood of an NIL deal with Culver's just? I, actually,
3: I hope they don't get it. Otherwise they're both going to be heavyweights because <laughs> the, I don't know if you know this, Randy, but they moved uh they moved right across the street from Culver's now.
0: Sweet.
1: Because they were a couple miles away before. Yeah, now they're across the street, so that's a that's a dangerous game they're playing.
0: <laughs>
1: I lived a block away from a taco bell in college and you know? man,
0: cheese curds.
4: <laughs> they're probably yeah. the only they're probably the only 65 and 74 pounders in the country that can eat ice cream five nights a week still. <laughs> during during season.
3: That's because they can barely make their weight at 165, 174. Well, key is bigger now, but Peyton's
2: not that much bigger. So that's, that's going to bring up a next question. Thank you guys for bringing that up. How hard did you push your kids to go in and maybe lose a little weight going into this tournament? Or, you know, hey, let's instead of wrestling. And I know you see these parents doing it all the time. Hey, instead of wrestling 110, let's cut to 106 or, you know, especially those little itty bitty kids. Let's cut to 76 instead of instead of 80 or whatever. What was that? I mean, you guys have seen those kind of things. Tell us some of the things you've gone through with that or seen. And then what you did as a parent with that as well.
4: I, I was never a big proponent of that. So right away from the very beginning, I was never for that. Um, I, my, the biggest thing that I've, I've seen most recently was I'm a teacher. So I, have, I had a fifth grader that had youth state coming up and uh, he was like 60 pounds and he I went into the lunchroom for some reason, non-accident, went into the lunchroom and he had nothing but like a string cheese that day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, you're not eating. He's like, no, I got, I got to weigh in on Friday. And this was like Tuesday. And I'm like, I'm like, well, you got to eat something and you got to drink something. He's like, no, we're trying to make 56 or something like that. He was trying to make, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. And so I, th- it just blew my mind. So you see it all the time. You really do see it.
3: Oh, froze! Bad Wi-Fi. <laughs> Tell Tammy is he, to
1: quit. Is he at the school too?
0: No, uh-huh. he's at home. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> we lost him. Yeah, that's a, that's a good look for him. Oh, oh, we got you back, Ken,
4: there. I froze halfway through.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep.
4: You were telling us the
0: meaning of life and then, uh, you just, it was some good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the secret to happiness. (laughs) So, well, guys, we, we appreciate you, man. This was awesome.
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming on fellas. And now it's not always easy to like tell a story, but like we appreciate the humility and I think we got a lot of, a lot of good stuff out of this tonight. And Randy of course as always, thanks for coming on. I think uh the, the next feral that's gonna be on isn't gonna be you though. I think we might be trying to snag Holly for an episode here right I I
2: think she's ready. she was uh she, as she came in she was like, hey, don't forget me on that one but uh, I I think having a uh, maybe a wrestling mom's or a wrestling wife uh, broadcast was gonna be <laughs> phenomenal because there are certain things that uh, that my wife does. You know, one and very supportive for me and the things that I do, you know, not only for my high school program, but, you know, for the the national team and other things that we have here that that I'm a part of and uh, and different things. But there's there's, you know, ladies around this state or other significant others around this state that do so much for wrestling. I think that'd be a heck of a broadcast. And I, and I, I would I'm sure that might be your 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 highest rated one yet perfect <laughs> you're there's my plug for my wife on that one. Oh my you god you're,
4: you're so you're so sweet man.
2: <laughs> people come on
1: <laughs> well fellas uh we appreciate you coming on the show steve if you uh don't have anything else i'll uh i'll send us off here but yeah folks thank you for uh, tuning in uh rest of the week for the podcast uh we're gonna get that Koi hoppy podcast up on youtube we got a conversation with Matea roll later this week, just kind of talking about being a young female coach that experience. And then Sunday, we got our ultimate team state, uh, selection Sunday seating show. So uh, that's, that's going to be a fun one. If you, if you have a lot of pride in your team uh, and you get selected for this tournament, you uh, should tune in. Cause this one, I think this one's going to get heated for, so <laughs> we'll have some fun with that, but yeah, until the next time you listen to or watch us, we will catch you on the flip side.